Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling is reminding businesses of the Curb to Compost program, which allows businesses, restaurants to have food waste collection. And this is an important next step in your business's or restaurant's recycling program. You are tuned in to episode 179 of the Jackson Hole Connection. We're sharing fascinating stories of people connected to Jackson Hole and the rest of the world. Welcome everybody to the Old West, what is left of the West. And I like to begin by sharing a quote with you. And here it goes today. There are two ways of exerting one's strength. One is pushing up, the other is pulling up. Very insightful. And that's from Booker T. Washington. I hope that thought carries you throughout the day. Each of our episodes are possible through the support of our sponsors. And today's sponsor comes from Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling. And do you want to be a better recycler? Well, guess what? There is an app for that. That's right, folks. The Recycle Coach app. It's now available to Jackson Hole locals and visitors. Download it today. And additional support comes from the Jackson Hole Wine Club. They're making the experience of exploring new wines as easy as taking a sip. Visit them at jacksonholewineclub.com to learn more, sign up, and engage in wine conversation. Welcome to the Jackson Hole Connection, the place and space where I, Stephen Abrams, share stories with you. Welcome everybody for tuning in right now, today, at this moment. And when you have a moment, please get out there and share this podcast with people. We're sharing stories so you can share the stories with other people, but also give us some feedback about the podcast. What do you think about the episode? Did you like it? Did you not? Did I make a mistake? I've made several of those during this process of 179 episodes, lots of mistakes. Let me know what you think on Facebook or Instagram. We have them both. And my guest today is Steve Ashworth. Steve is the director of Teton County Parks and Recreation. Steve and his wife, Brenda, and we heard from Brenda back in episode number 173, so not too many episodes ago. They moved here about six months after being married. They were living in Boise and they moved here. They used to visit and ever since they've lived in paradise. Before moving to Jackson, Steve worked on some interesting landscape projects in other parts of the country, and he's going to share those with us. And I'm excited and was blown away by some of the things that he worked on beforehand. And now as director of Parks and Rec right here in Teton County, Steve and his team manage and maintain an enormous amount of land and services right here in our county. Parks and Rec touches just about every person's life in our county and probably most tourists who visit our valley. And on today's episode, Steve shares with us how he helps keep our community thriving each day with the help of his dedicated team and the support of our community. Steve, thank you for joining me here today at the Jackson Hole Connection. It's an honor to have some time to speak with you. Um, I really appreciate it. I'm excited to be able to speak with you and share about some of the safe stuff we've got going on. Um, Well, let's start off with your history. Where 
were you raised and how did you land here in Jackson Hole and how long have you been here? Sure. I grew up in Dayton, Ohio. Um, I spent pretty much my entire childhood there. Uh, moved to the Midwest um, to get my education. I have a degree and a background in landscape architecture and, and site development. And I sort of just continued to venture out after college into the city of Boise. And when I was at the city of Boise, I had the opportunity to take my profession and work for Boise Parks and Recreation. And with that, um, I was a park planner and project manager for them. I had a great opportunity to do some really fun and exciting projects at the city of Boise. Um, I was the primary lead on expansion of Zoo Boise. The Anne Frank Human Rights Memorial was one of my projects. So I was really fortunate to have some very influential and, and uh, unique projects there. My wife and I, I met my wife in Boise, and we actually got married out here in Jackson. We loved the Jackson area. And I remember when we got married, we laughed because we're like, this is a cool place, but I wonder what in the heck normal people do if there's actually jobs here. And, you know, it wouldn't be kind of a fun place to live, but what would you do? And nonetheless, we go back and it was about six months after we got married, a position came available um, here with Parks and Rec for a park planner for this department. And we were, Teton County Parks and Rec was kind of in a growth spurt. And anyway, I applied for the job and lo and behold, uh, got the position and um, worked for uh, Steve Foster, the, the director at the time. He was the second director of Parks and Recreation and uh, ended up sort of being his um, park planner and then evolved into his assistant director which when he took a county administrator position, I was offered the position as a director. So I've been here for 20 years. It'll be 20 years in April, um, working for Teton County and Parks and Rec and have seen a lot change over time. Um, it's been amazing what's happened in 20 years, as, as I, I'm sure you know. Um, but this department has changed dramatically and grown dramatically in that time. Well, thank you. Uh, for that background, I do want to learn more about Parks and Rec, but you yeah. touched on one item that I thought was quite interesting. You said there was an Anne Frank Memorial or Museum in yeah. Boise? Yeah. So there was an, um, the Carr Foundation wanted to do, this is back in, I would say, I guess it was in about 2000. He was a philanthropist that wanted to recognize human rights in the world and wanted to honor that. He is, from, um, he is from Idaho. And so he actually funded where we have a memorial plaza um, on the Greenbelt down by downtown Boise. And it is a really spectacular plaza honoring some of the great human rights contributors throughout the world and a lot of quotes, a lot of information. It's a contemplation area that he actually has an education center there, um, a human rights education and uh, research facility there. And so it was really great. It was a partnership between this foundation and the city of Boise to do that. We did a lot of incredible research and there's a, there's a three-dimensional 
um, sculptural element of it with Anne Frank. And it actually is where you can walk up a set of stairs and it has the actual layout of the room in which they stayed um, in that attic area. And so it's it's very tactile and it's it's quite moving area. So that was just a great project that I was able to uh, to spearhead and see get developed in that in that area. That's fascinating to know that that little girl had such an impact on somebody. Yeah, and and she has around the world. And it's wonderful that he chose her and people to see the dimensions of the home that they lived in for for a few years yeah it's really quite a moving area and you know it was it was pretty exciting to do i it was not without controversy as i can as you can only imagine mm. you know idaho is a pretty conservative place and it was pushing some of the norms that had had been in traditionally in in the city of boise and i think that was some of the best parts of it it was asking questions it was having us face influential people from around the world that were controversial. And it really created a dialogue and conversation, sometimes an uncomfortable dialogue, as as you can imagine. Uh, but that's okay. I think the project at the end, it, it actually brought people together, people of different perspectives. And that was really the whole point of it, you know, and it's to open up dialogue. And that's what his goal was. And I think that's what the project actually did. Cool. Well, thank you. Yeah. Now let's jump over here to yeah. Teton County and you all at Parks and Rec, there's a lot that you are overseeing. <laughs> Give people a broad scope as far as what falls under your domain. Sure. We manage and run the recreation center. A lot of folks, when they think of Parks and Rec, they go, oh, the rec center. And that is one of our responsibilities, which is the pool, gymnasium. We also do a lot of recreation programming throughout the community, whether it is our after-school program, summer camp, youth sports, all the way to adult sports. And then we have a ton of facilities. So we have 19 parks throughout the community. Those parks vary anything from neighborhood parks to larger facilities. We also take care of all the athletic fields on the school district properties. We do that in order to ensure the community has access to to those fields to do some community programming. We also are the groundskeeper for Teton County and the town of Jackson. That means anything that's owned by them, um, whether it's town hall, county admin, public health, we are the groundskeepers for that. The other thing that we do is we are a winter plow service for all bike paths, sidewalks um, throughout the community, downtown sidewalks. So you'll see us out with our little orange tractors plowing sidewalks all winter long, um, as well as we do outdoor ice rinks. We are the urban forest manager for the town of Jackson. So we take care of all urban forest trees, all urban forest issues. And the other thing that we have our new in is we are also the river recreation managers for Teton County. So we, I believe it was in 2015, we took over the Wilson boat ramp as managing that. And we regulate commercial outfitting 
on the access points that are within Teton County. So that would be South Park Landing down by the South Park Bridge, as well as Wilson Beach um, and Wilson Boat Ramp. And so that's a new endeavor. We're currently in the process of potentially taking over close to 1,200 acres of public land that the Bureau of Land Management currently owns and is looking for a local entity, Teton County, to assume stewardship responsibility and the assurance to maintain those properties into public recreation in perpetuity. And they don't have the resources. They're sort of orphan properties along the Snake River, and they're looking for Teton County to assume ownership and responsibility for that, which will be sort of a new puppy for Parks and Rec to to take care of. So that's what we do. (laughs) Far more than I had ever imagined. Lucky you guys for taking care of all that for us all. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we're happy to do it. And I will tell you, Teton County and the town of Jackson, as we're a joint department funded by both of them. So I always say I have a couple bosses um, and then I have a lot of elected officials to report to. But the they have supported us in in resources to try to allow us to take care of those, which is important. The volume of work, as long as we have people and the resources, we're happy to do it. So we've gotten good support to do that. Super. Now, you said that there's 19 parks. Yes. In Teton County. Yes. How many of those are in the city limits of Jackson and how many of those extend into the county? Yeah. So out of those 19 in the town of Jackson, we have 11 in the town of Jackson and the remaining is in the outlying areas. We have a park uh, in Alta on the other side of the hill. We have one down near Melody Ranch. So we're spread out pretty well to try to make sure we have neighborhood offerings. There are a couple areas in our community that have grown that we have identified the need to have future parks, such as the Hoback area, um, Hog Island, south of town, as the demographics have changed and the population grows. So there are definitely holes in our system. Uh, But most of our facilities are concentrated from the town core and out where our concentration of population is. What's it like managing something like a park or other things that you might manage over in Alta? You have to drive over the pass through Idaho Mm-hmm. and then make it over to Alta, which is part of Teton County. Yep. Um, it's tough. Uh, it, it is tough. We, we rely on outsourcing as much of the maintenance that we possibly can. So we hire contractors to do routine mowing and general care like that. Um, obviously, there are certain things that we have to go over on a regular basis because we have technical expertise. An example would be maintaining playgrounds. Um, Playgrounds are actually quite complicated to maintain in a safe and uh, functional Mm -hmm. method, and we are required to do weekly, monthly, and annual inspections on those to ensure that they're safe. And so that's something that requires special training and certification of our staff. So that's something that's not easily outsourced. So we really try to do what we can to get um, to make it as efficient as possible. But it does take um, it does take more time and more energy because there's a lot of travel time, as you know, to get over to Alta. We do a lot of partnerships, the county in general, you know, with Teton County, Idaho, which helps out some of that. But the park is is one that is just sort of our little our little baby over there um, that we have to take care of. 
So for the playgrounds, for you all to have those in operation, you said you have to do weekly, monthly, and quarterly inspections. Where does that regulation come from? Sure. So that's a regulation that it's interesting. So the Consumer Product Safety Commission and the American Standards for Testing and Materials have developed a standard for safety. And a lot of those things come off of, off of legal precedents. So when a child gets hurt, um, the courts sort of set a precedence on standard of care. And then these um, nonprofit organizations or regulatory agents set what those reasonable standards are based upon those legal precedents. So we have certain standards of care that we must do and we get our folks certified through an organization called the National Playground Safety Institute. And that's where our staff has to get recertified every three years. And they learn the, the current standards of safety um, design, maintenance, and what are the best practices. And it's interesting. I will tell you, when, before I got into Parks and Rec, I had no clue the level of detail and complexity to that. And I'm going to use just an example that one of the things that that we that that organization does is we look at those best practices. And I'm going to use the idea of a child with a bicycle helmet because that was an issue. So we think about how kids play on that and whether they have pinch points in there or things to where they can get their clothes entangled. So we want to avoid those things that will, could cause injury. One of the things as a as a parent, you think, oh, if my kid rides their bike over there and decides to leave their bicycle helmet on and play on the playground, your first thought in mind would be, well, great, they're safer, right? Because if they fall, no issue. What we discovered happened is that all of our design of the openings of everything between, if you're on elevated deck, that opening has a certain design to where a child that is five years old, the smallest child, if he gets in there, that the largest torso can get through. So we get this measurement. Well, what happens when you put a helmet on and your head gets larger? Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, a child was able to slip through that and actually was hung oh. by catching their, the helmet, right? Oh. And so that's these are the things that we look at and that we get trained on and updated on to where we adjust what our expectations on fall heights, on the design of them, to make sure that we are as up-to-date to that your child, when they're playing on a playground, it's as safe as it possibly can be. Mm. Um, so we try to, we always say that a playground, we try to regulate hazards. Mm -hmm. We don't regulate risk. So if you're, you know, if you're anything like me, you know, you get on a playground when you're a kid and you want to jump to that rung on that overhead ladder and you fall, that's the child taking a risk. What we've got to make sure is when that child jumps to that rung, that his or her perception that he should be able to grab it and it holds him, it needs to do so. So it needs to be tight. It needs to be secure, those type of things. So that's what we have to do. And we have a two of our staff members that they're constantly going around and recording that data and making corrections pretty constant. Hmm. I'm curious about the seesaw. I don't see seesaws on playgrounds anymore. Yep. 
Are they no longer considered safe? They're not considered safe. And a lot of them has to do with two things. One is the pivot point in the middle. Um, there was a lot of injuries with hands whenever you have that mm -hmm. pivoting point. And then you have a situation and I'm sure, I'm sure you probably did this when you were a kid, right? You get one kid on the one end and you jump off and you send the other kid. Oh yeah. Right. I mean, who hasn't done that? Uh -huh. um, and then we got a lot of serious injuries from that. What's happened is oftentimes, and this is a terrible thing that, uh, you know, it's, we swing a pendulum the other way, right? We see something that's not safe and then we try to make it so safe that it is no longer an enticing or an exciting play element. So they come in with these playgrounds now that have all of these safety features and they're no longer a fun toy for the kids to play on. Hmm. And so you'll see that they've sort of kind of come out of style. In the early 80s, swings started to go away. You wouldn't see a single swing and we were able to bring them back by bringing in better design and learning about where the injuries occur and not just being reactionary to where we were getting a lot of injuries. And so let's just take them all out. And that's what the industry did. And we came back and said, well, wait a minute, what was it? Well, let's increase the fall protection area. Let's increase the area where, where kids are playing so that they don't get collisions. So there's a lot of things that, you know, you swing the pendulum and hopefully you find a good medium in the middle. Mm -hmm. I never knew that the swings were going away, that they went away, but I'm glad they're back because we yeah. have lots of fun markets on the swings. Yeah. I would love to hear from you, Steve, about the parks mm -hmm. because our parks here are named after important people mm -hmm. in our community. Mm -hmm. What's the history behind the people who those parks are named after and how are they selected and who are those people? Who are some yeah. of those people? Yeah. So just using a couple of Phil Box Park, which is at the base of Snow King. Phil Box was the public works director for a long time um, for the town of Jackson. Um, after he retired, um, that park was named after him in honor of his longtime service. Mike Yokel, which is another park, was also a town of Jackson employee, public works employee, and that park was named after him. Those are two of the ones that were named after an individual that worked for the town of Jackson. We do have a couple other parks. Um, we have Powderhorn Park, which is named after the, the Horn family, dedicated and donated that land um, to the town of Jackson for a park. And it's on Powderhorn Lane, and it was a named after that family. We also have Wayne May Park, which is a park that is, I would say, 50% developed, maybe not quite. Wayne May was a longtime rancher, um, and he, he gave that land, he sold the land to the town at a ridiculously reduced rate um, back in 1997, I believe to make sure that it was preserved as a park. And it's a 10-acre parcel in East Jackson, where you're not going to get a 10-acre parcel in Jackson. Um, that's crazy. Uh, so it's a, it's a huge um, opportunity. And so those are just some of those, those names, you know, uh, of some of those parks that we have in the town. They vary over time on some of our parks as they get named. Sometimes we name them after landmarks, 
Sometimes we name them after um, the development they're adjacent to, but a few of them were named after people. And we do have a policy about naming and naming of parks in order to allow them to be named in the future. Um, but we haven't lately um, been looking at naming unless there were part of a donation or part of that deed restriction as we get the parts. That's that's so cool. I'm I'm interested to learn more about some of these people mm-hmm. who these parks are named after. But first, we're going to take a quick break to get a word from one of our sponsors, and we're going to be right back. For residents looking to reduce their household waste and become better recyclers, look no further than the Recycle Coach app. It's brought to you by Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling. You can access the Recycle Coach app from your desktop computer, mobile device, and the ever-knowing digital assistance. The platform makes it easy for you to get local disposal information for thousands, that's right, thousands of household items, and it takes the guesswork out of recycling. Visit tetoncountywy.gov slash recycle for access. And you can become a better recycler today by downloading the Recycle Coach app for free. No pennies, no US dollars, no rubles, no shekels. Do it. Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling estimates that approximately 3,954 tons of food waste are disposed in the trash right here in Teton County every year. This makes food waste the next frontier material in the quest to achieve our county's goal to reduce waste and recycle more, which will help us aim for zero waste. For more information on Teton County Integrated Solid Waste and Recycling's Curb to Compost Commercial Food Waste Program, visit tetoncountywy.gov slash recycle and join today. Steve, welcome back. I'm enjoying learning more about Parks and Rec and what's involved. And we have some really remarkable parks. It's, Mm -hmm. It's amazing how well you all maintain those parks and keep them vibrant and um, so appealing for so many people in our community to, to utilize. I know having kids, we utilize a lot of the parks in East Jackson. We have many to go experience. Uh, You mentioned May park, Wayne may park, and we just love going and sitting there and let the kids play in the Creek and we'll read a book or play with the kids. Um, Do you have some background on who, Wayne May yeah. was in his family history here in, in Jackson? I do. I have, um, I can only go back certain distance, but, but okay. Wayne was a, was a rancher and he was single his entire life. He was a bachelor and Wayne was also quite the character. And as he got older in life, he married when he was in his, in his later years, I believe it was when he was in his late 60s. He married a lady who had been divorced, and um, we had a great Parks and Rec board member, Rudy Samford, and his mom married Wayne May. And Rudy is somebody that this community knows very well. He was a high school teacher. He was a football coach. He was a staple in this community for a long, long time, Um, and he was on our Parks and Rec board. Well, Wayne, back in the the mid-1990s, where his parcel was, 
the town of Jackson wanted to connect some of the roads that are going east and west over to Rancher. And one of those was Hanson Street. And Hanson Street went down and it went right into Bay Park and into the into some new uh, condominiums that were built. And they went up to Wayne and they said, Wayne, we'd like to buy a little bit of land from you in order to get around here. And Wayne, being a character, is like, I'm not selling my land to the town. And he goes, and, and they're like, but we'd like to connect all of these streets, Hall Street, Kelly Street. We want to keep this grid pattern. And he's like, over my dead body, he says, if you want to buy it, why don't you buy it and make it a park? One of the town councilmen at the time was Mike Lance. And he called Wayne up. He says, all right, we'll buy that for a park. And, the, and of course, kind of called his bluff on it. And Wayne was, no, I'm not going to do that. He came back uh, several months later and said, you know what? Selma and I are getting old. We need money to do it. We'll sell it to you, but under my terms. So he gave us the easement for Hanson. And as you call, recall, how you see how Hanson kind of jogs by Wayne May Park because it had to uh -huh. go into his property. And he sold that property and said, it shall be a park in perpetuity. And it shall not be used for anything to do with public works. Because Wayne didn't get along with Phil Box at Public Works. <laughs> and I, right? And I love that. That Does that tell you a small town? That, yes. that it, it is just quintessential of a small town in the West. And he's like, I'll do the park, but I'm writing in that deed restriction that if any public works vehicle or anything is stored on that property, it comes back to me. So it's written in the deed restriction. And so anyway, when we purchased that from him, it had a, um, a life estate on it. So that way him and um, his wife could stay on that property until either they passed away or they no longer were able to stay on it. And Selma passed away right around 2000. Um, it was like 99. And so that property sort of came back over to uh, Teton or Teton County, the town of Jackson. And so we've been working on updating that and developing that part. But that's a, a great example of, you know, of how we get some of these parks and, um, and how that Wayne May Park came about. I love it. Well, if somebody were to see Phil Box Park, they mm -hmm. think it's Phil Bow, right? Because it's B-E-A-U-X, isn't it? Yep. Yep. So tell me about Phil Box, who was he and yeah. do you know when he moved here and how, what his story is about being here in Jackson and what, what does it mean that he was in the public works department for so long he ran that? Yeah, so Phil Box was one of the original public works directors um, of the town of Jackson. I don't know a lot of history about Phil and it is interesting because everybody does refer to it that's new to the community or doesn't know the history. It, it, it's spelled as if it's Phil Bow Park. But Phil pronounced his last name Box. So that's what we make sure and call that. And yeah, that was uh, the town of Jackson. And I apologize, I don't have a whole lot of information other than that is after he retired, it was um, named after him um, in honor of him and his services for a long time services for the town of Jackson. That's special yeah. that, that he was able to be recognized for that. What about Miller Park? What do you know about 
the family that that's named after. Yeah. So Miller Park is interesting because that that was uh, a homesteaded uh, facility that was owned by the Teton County School District. It was actually a school potential school site. Um, as time went on, the schools obviously were built in other locations. It's a, it was a smaller site. And so the school had received it from the Miller family and they turned it over to the town of Jackson on a lease. So we leased it all the way up until I believe it was 2010 when the lease actually expired and it actually became the ownership of the town of Jackson. And we've been maintaining that park. That park um, was one of the first parks that were built in the 70s with a unique funding uh, mechanism that first came out. A lot of parks were built in the 70s that it was Land and Water Conservation Fund. Hmm. Um, Land and Water Conservation Fund was a federal program that back in the 60s and 70s that offshore oil drilling was when that was first happening. And so they determined that all royalties that the NAS that the government would get would be put into a fund to build parks. If you go around a lot of communities throughout the, the country, especially in small towns, it's not coincidental that parks were built. There was like this huge um, explosion of new parks being built in the early to mid 70s. And that's when that funding came on. And so all of these communities throughout the country were built at that time. And that was one of the first parks that we built utilizing land and water conservation funds. So that's um, kind of a little bit on, on the history of that facility. The other one that I think might be of interesting is, is Town Square, mm. um, especially in our community. It actually is George Washington Memorial Park. And not a lot of people realize that that's actually the official name. And it was actually named, so on George Washington's 200th birthday, there was a movement around the country to name parks after George Washington. And so it was dedicated. And I'm, boy, you're going to test my knowledge. I want to say it was in 1927. Um, I believe, and I'll have that might be a little off, but is when it was rededicated as George, George Washington Memorial Park. And actually, if you go around the country, many of the town square type parks are George Washington Memorial Park. Um, and so that was dedicated for that at that time as our town square. Huh, that's cool. Yeah. And so was that the town's first park, the town square? Yeah, that was our first park. Yes. Okay. And do you know where our first playground was? The I got first, you there. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you know, it was probably going to be, it was probably Miller Park uh -huh. uh, because that was our first developed park that we had um, in the town of Jackson. Um, as you know, uh, Town Square was more of a, a, a town commons, and that mm -hmm. was the structure that it was built off of the historic town commons. Um, so it would most likely be Miller Park. And so the schools probably had their playgrounds. Yeah. But as far as what the town maintained, that was Miller Park was quite most likely the first playground. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay. How many acres do you all maintain? Do you know? Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're somewhere in the neighborhood of about um, 80 acres currently of developed parkland um, that we maintain. 
And that's why that BLM of additional 1,200 acres, even though it's not developed, stewardship still takes a lot of responsibility is pretty significant. Mm -hmm. Going from 80 to 1,300 is kind of a big jump. Um, a little so, bit. Yeah, a little bit. So but that's about what we maintain right now. Just so you, you know, athletic fields, we have about 24 acres of athletic fields. Most of those are on the on Teton County School District either owned or leased land that they that they oversee um, cow pasture one and two which I always think is funny you know cow pasture is the name of those fields why is that cow pasture because it was a cow pasture that's what it was before we built the, the softball fields there um, and so it was always referred to where are the softball fields at at the old cow pasture I think that just shows the the humor of and it's who was it? Maybe the Parks and Rec board that was doing it. And, I, and that's how they referred to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it's a landmark. You knew where the old cow pastures were in town. Mm -hmm. And now they are the cow pasture ball fields. So huh. was that a staging area for cows before it went? I think it was the last within the town of Jackson. It was right on the edge of the town of Jackson. And there was just a big pasture that was full of cattle there. And I think that was the last kind of area kind of in holding up from where you had a, a you know a cattle area mm -hmm. um, and, and that's what we moved the cows out and that's where we built some fields that's cool yeah and how did parks and rec acquire the land where the recreation center is and oh, yeah. um, you said that you guys are working on an interesting project there what is what is it that you guys are trying to do Sure. Well, as far as how we acquired this land, this was Teton County School District. Um, this was actually where the track was for the high, high school. At one point where Davy Jackson Elementary was, was, the high, was one of the schools and where the old high school was. And then they built where Center for the Arts was, was the, was the high school before the Center of the Arts took over that land and demolished that high school before they built the new one down on High School Road. So the town of Jackson worked out a deal with um, the Teton County School District to do a land swap. So they traded some land that the town of Jackson owned um, down where the schools currently are located for this particular piece of property. And the condition, one of the conditions was that is the school district wanted to have a swim team. Swimming was growing in the state of Wyoming and we're a small community and a pool, and especially an indoor pool, is not an easy undertaking and it's expensive to operate. And so the town and the county and the school district got together and said, well, what if we collaborate? If we give you this land for the land down um, near Flat Creek Business Park, if we trade this land and you build the facility, we'll do an agreement to where our schools get to utilize that facility for their swim teams and you maintain it and then you can operate it and let the public have it. So that's what we did. So in 1994, um, through one of the very first SPET elections, so the specific purpose excise tax that we all sort of depend on for some of our large public infrastructure, this was the rec center was one of the first SPET taxes in Teton County and it paid to build this facility in 1994. When we built the facility in 1994, we were not open more than about a month. And, and it's sort of like, I think if you build your new home, you build a new home and you go, gosh, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. The one thing that we had heard from the very beginning was, it's great to have a pool, 
It's great to have a gym. Where can I go work out? Right. That was the big thing at the time. So it was in 2005 that we actually went out to the community, asked them what they wanted in this facility and what we got a list of all of the wish list of everybody wanted. But the most important thing that we heard was a place to walk indoors during the winter, especially for our seniors and a place where I could exercise and work out. So we have done, we actually did our first master plan and community engagement in 2005, 2006. Um, 2019, we got a SPET vote approved by the, uh, uh, by the voters here in Teton County. And we are implementing some of those master plans that we continue to evolve over time. So we are going to be expanding for health and fitness. We're also going to be adding additional gymnasium. And we're also going to be doing an indoor climbing gym. Many folks might remember the Enclosure Climbing Gym, which was a, uh, a private entity that had a climbing gym. We haven't had that since, I believe, 2011. And before um, that, there was Teton Rock Gym. Teton Rock Gym, yep. Over here on Maple Way. Yep. And the ability for a private gym because of the cost of land and infrastructure has really, as we all know, has gotten sort of astronomical and the the numbers don't work out real well because of the size and scale you need and the return on investment you can have. So the voters asked us to put that in and to, to do that. And that's what we're working on, on doing. We have just finished our uh, construction documents. We're going through the final steps of town planning and bidding the project. And we're hoping in June to break ground on an expansion that will take our 32,000 square foot recreation center and turn it into a 75,000 square foot facility um, that has all those different elements in it. Spectacular. Yeah. And considering we have so many months of the winter, I, yeah. I can see that indoor walking area heavily, heavily used and the climbing area. Yeah. And you know, and what we really, you know, one of the things that we're also looking at in this facility and it's some of our community partners that we have, we're really reinventing the recreation center as really being an opportunity for health in our community. Um, we are partnering with Teton County Public Health, St. John's Hospital, um, also many of our local nonprofits, 122, to help allow their resources of wellness, public health, as an avenue to get them to the public instead of the public having to go to the hospital for wellness opportunities, biometric screening, consultations, we're gonna be bringing the hospital to the public. We're gonna be bringing those elements. And I would say one of the good examples that you will see in our facility now that we're gonna expand upon is the community covered through 122. Mm -hmm. we, are, we are an outlet for that. And so we are actually increasing some of that food food access through the partnership in this facility to make it more accessible for people. So this facility is really reinventing itself as a community um, wellness and resource facility. That's super. Next thing you know, you'll be doing something with the library. Yep. You know, they're a great partner of ours as well. Yes, absolutely. And, and I've seen the, the food cupboard there. Mm -hmm. Has that been of great success? <laughs> Huge. Um, okay. More than we had expected, both us and 122 did not expect it to be used as much. Um, they are here every day restocking it because it is being so heavily used. Hmm. So we're, we couldn't be more proud of that. We actually got this up and running 
through a grant that we got through the National Recreation and Parks Association. Um, and so that grant helped us partner to get the infrastructure and get the program up. And so we're pretty darn excited about it. Now, are you seeing similar partnerships with other recreation, public recreation centers in the country? You know, a little bit. And the National Parks and Recreation has really identified and has really shown that Parks and Recreations are about, they're the, the catalyst to provide social equity in communities. They're a place to make sure that people are both healthy, not only physically, but mental health opportunities as well as being resource stewards for our, for our public lands. Those are kind of the goals. And some of the community centers are trying to really embrace that. In a community our size, where we wear so many hats, mm-hmm. um, we have to, right? So Parks and Rec, we have so many hats on. So many of our, our, our nonprofits wear a lot of hats. This is where it really it's a really great example of coming together as a resource for the community. And so we're not the first to do this, but we're definitely sort of championing some of those goals and ideals that the national organizations have recognized Parks and Rec as being. Okay. That's super. Well, Steve, I have so appreciated you taking the time out of your busy schedule to share with me and everybody listening in today about our community and the impact that you all have for our health and recreation here in Teton County. Because it's not just the visitors using your resources. I mean, just not the locals, but it's visitors using your resources as well. Yeah, that is correct. And I will tell you that, you know, I'm very proud of my staff and my team here that truly do feel that it's quite an honor to serve and to provide these resources for our community. And we do take a lot of pride in watching whether it's kids playing on a playground or a family picnicking in a park or seeing, you know, um, a Latino uh, child learn to swim for the first time. That's really cool for us. That's what we do. That's why we, we do what we do and what gets us, you know, every day excited about doing our job. And we're very happy and honored to be able to do that for this community. I love it. Well, thank you, Steve. If people want to reach out and connect with you or your staff, What's a great way for them to do that? Right. Obviously, we're here at the rec center. This is where we're housed out of. Um, they can go on to tetonparksandrec.org. That's our website. They can also reach out to our Parks and Rec board. We have links to send emails or phone calls as well to those folks. We always want public input. Let us know how we can help best serve you guys. Terrific. Thank you, Steve. I really do appreciate your time and have an awesome, awesome time enjoying uh, your local parks. All right. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. To learn more about Steve Ashworth and Teton County Parks and Rec, visit the jacksonholeconnection.com, episode number 179. Get out there and give us a rating, review, send us some information, some thoughts on Facebook and Instagram. We love hearing from you. Thank you, everybody, who helped keep this podcast on the air. To the editor and marketing director, Michael Morey, if you want to start a podcast, reach out to Michael Morey. His contact information is in the show notes. 
He has his own podcast production business. He can help you launch a podcast. And of course, to my wife, Laura, who I love with my heart every day. And my boys, Lewis and William. I love you boys. You bring such joy to me and mama. I appreciate you sharing your time with me today. Thank you. Cheers till next time when I see you here for the next episode of the Jackson Hole Connection.